Good evening. I'm Bill Moss, the Constitutional Cowboy. I've got my friend Fran Farmer with me again tonight. Fran, it's good to have you on. Good to be here. And uh, we're going to get in right now in just a second to uh, Article 2 of the Constitution. Uh, this is our second lesson on the Constitution. And this talks about the limited powers of the president. So um, it's not as long as the one the other night. And I'm kind of glad because me and Fran both start. So uh, with that said, I'm getting ready to switch over to the Constitution so we can get started on this so you can learn from it. And uh, I hope everybody's having a blessed day. It's jumped on me a little bit. Article 2, Section 1. Here we go. The executive power shall be vested in a president of the United States of America. He shall hold his office during the terms of four years and together with the vice president chosen for the same team be elected as follows. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in Congress, but no senator or representative or person holding an office of trust or profit under the United States shall be appointed an, ele an elector. The electors shall meet in their respective states and vote by ballot for two persons, of whom one at least shall not be an inhabitant of the same state with themselves and they shall make a list of all the persons voted for. Now, I want, Fran, I want to stop right there. For, you know, that's kind of confusing how they say that, where they say that uh, one of, uh, of whom one at least shall not be the inhabitant of the same state as themselves. That's like that because you can't have a president and a vice president from the same state. A lot of people say, you know, they'd like to see DeSantis and Trump run. And I think that would be a pirate ticket. But the only problem is DeSantis and Trump can't run on the same ticket unless one of them leave Florida. And I don't see that happening, do you? No, I don't. But now I kind of think from the conversation I heard, it's going to be Candace Owens. Uh, have you heard anything about that? I saw the way that she had talked to Trump and asked him if he'd thought anything about 2024 and uh, Trump avoided the answer on that question. Um, he said that uh, that they would have to talk, but there is, has been no commitment as to who his vice president will be. Well, I heard something the other night. She said something and, and uh, he said, that would be a great ticket. He said, it just might happen, you know, so I don't know. Uh, what they're talking, you know, that's probably since you heard what you heard, you know what I'm saying? Right. So I don't know if they've talked yet or not, but, you know, and then she smiled she said, Trump Owens 2024. So I don't know, maybe the, it, it might be mind games too, you don't know, but uh, I think she would be a good one. Uh, I said, you know, all along, it, you know, if she run for president and he wasn't running, I'd probably vote for her. <laughs> Uh, but that, you know, that goes to my personal politics, but I, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm being honest, uh, but that doesn't have to do with what the Constitution says. Of course, what we're talking about, I want to point out uh, so people understood you couldn't have a president and vice president from the same state. Uh, 
Right. Uh, yeah, I got to see where I was at. Uh, into the second paragraph there. Okay, I'm trying to find lists you'll sign, and they should make a list of the person voted for. And then let's see, the electors shall meet in the respective states, vote by ballot for two persons, of whom, there it is, uh, one at least shall not be inhabited in the same state with themselves. And they shall make a list of all the persons voted for and the number of votes for each, which list they shall sign and certify and transmit sealed to the seat of the government of the United States. That's D.C., Directed to the president of the Senate. Okay, the president of the Senate is the vice president of the United States. The president of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives, they come together for this, open all the certificates, and the votes shall then be counted. The person having the greatest number of votes shall be the president. If such number be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed. And if they be more than one, have such majority and have an equal number of votes, then the House of Representatives shall immediately choose by ballot one of them for president. That's interesting because if you've got a tie, there's no runoff on a presidential race. It's, it's chosen by the, by the House of Representatives. Uh, and if no person have a majority, then from the five higher on the list, the said house shall be like manner, choose the president, but in choosing the president, the votes shall be taken by states. The representation from each state having one vote, a quorum of this purpose shall consist of a member of members from two thirds of the states and a majority of all the states shall be necessary for choice. In every case, after the choice of the president, the person having the greatest number of votes of the election shall be the vice president. But if that should be should remain two or more who have equal votes, the Senate shall choose from them by the ballot the vice president. So you might have like you know Biden and Harris run, but if him and Trump had had uh, tied, then uh, there'd been other people you know tied with them and what they would have done is the two top presidential candidates the one with the most votes would have been president and then uh, let's say like you know Biden got this would have been an interesting thing could you imagine if uh, Biden and, and, and Trump ended up one being president one being vice president That's what could happen under those circumstances. Uh, it says the Congress may determine the time of choosing the electors and the day of which they shall give their votes, which day shall be the same throughout the United States. And one thing, Fran, I, I want to talk about do you know why we always voted on November 3rd? Are you with me, Fran? Okay. I've lost her. She, she'll probably get back in. The reason we always voted 
November 30th, we have an agrar agrarian society back years ago. And they allowed the votes to go within a 30, I think it was 30 or 31 day time frame. And what happened was, is when some states voted before others and the word got out, it would swing the election. And that was the reason why it was set for one day, one specific time. And that way, uh, the influence of news traveling wouldn't influence people to say, well, I want to vote for a winner. So I'm going to vote for the one that's already winning. And that's why we always voted on one day. Everybody went, they voted and got done. Um, this whole mail-in thing was a, was a mess. Uh, but I just want to point that out. The Congress may determine the time of choosing of electors, okay, and the day of which they should give their votes, which they should be the same throughout the United States. Like I said, no person except a natural-born citizen or citizen of the United States at the time of the adoption of this Constitution shall be eligible to the office of president. Neither shall any person be eligible to that office who shall not have attained the age of 35 years and been 14 years a resident within the United States. In case of the removal of the president from office or of his death, resignation or inability to discharge the powers and duties of the said office, the same shall devolve on the vice president and the Congress may by law provide for the case of removal, death, resignation, or inability, both of the president and the vice president, declaring the officer shall then act as president and such officers shall act accordingly until the disability be removed or president shall be elected. Uh, hello, friend, you back? Yeah, I'm back now. <laughs> okay, we lost you. Uh, the president shall be stated, uh, shall at stated times receive for his services the compensation which shall either be an increased nor which shall neither be increased or diminished during the period for which he shall have been elected. And he shall not receive within the period any other emolument from the United States or any of them. Uh, so he can't receive any other money from the government or he can't from the US government or he can't receive any uh, type of payment from any other state. Before he entered on the executive on the execution of his office, he shall take the following oath of affirmation. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully excuse, uh, execute the office of president of the United States and will to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the constitution of the United States. This president we got now, friend, he's in direct, I mean, total direct opposition of his oath. Uh, you know, one of the first things he, he said was that we had no inalienable rights. There were no absolute rights. That's not from what the Constitution that he's- Yeah, from 1984, they started dumbing down their education within our school system. And right. they, teach the, they teach about the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the uh, Declaration of Independence as part of the history, but they don't go into detail like what you're doing tonight. And this is something that is definitely, I believe it would be an impeachable uh, action against the president, the people, the person that we all know as the president, current president. 
That would that would probably be called a misdemeanor part of an impeachment. Okay, uh, but it goes on to say that uh, he will defend the Constitution of the United States. He has not defended the Constitution because not only has he assaulted it that way, he has assaulted it by taking away the rights of people, locking them in their homes when they're healthy, forcing them into vaccinations. I talked to a, uh, a Kentucky National Guardsman yesterday. Him and his wife, 20 years old, just got married, forced to take these vaccines. And with what we know, they could both end up sterile. That's a heck of a way to start off your, your marriage. You see exactly. what I'm saying? Wonderful. Exactly. I mean, we know all about this. Uh, you know, it's, it's been proven that this causes sterility and they're hiding that. So he, he's not defending the Constitution because he's actually uh, <clears throat> breaking the Constitution and he's actually declaring uh, war on the people. He is. When you give them, when you force them to take medicine that is not good for you, even if it's good for you, you can't force medicine upon a person. Every person has a right. You notice he's not forcing it upon the non-citizens that are coming in. He's not even enforcing testing on the non-citizens. And speaking of the non-citizens, that's another thing. We have regulation in the Constitution about what a citizen is, who gets to vote. And, you know, who gets who gets to be a citizen and it's not the way he's doing things. So, I mean, he has totally blown his office off and then with the his oath and then with what went on in Afghanistan, there's anywhere from hundreds to thousands of Americans. I'm hearing thousands that are still over there. There's, a you know, the the people that that helped us over there fight it, that we we gave our word. Uh, you know, that they would come here and become citizens. He's left them behind. There are people getting hanged daily. Babies, the whole family slaughtered in their homes by Taliban because they either are Americans or they helped Americans. Then he turned around and he gave aid, gave aid and comfort. And we're going to get into this in a minute. He gave aid and comfort to the Taliban, who is our enemy. He is conducting domestic policy with somebody that we have a $10 million life or death, uh, dead or alive warrant on, a bounty. And he's conducted domestic policy with this person? No. So, I mean, he has told me that. Isn't that person, Bill, I don't mean to interrupt you, but isn't that person one of the guys that were released from Gitmo back about six or eight years ago? Yeah, and then they had him in the, the Bagram Air Base over there locked up and he turned them loose. That had him locked up in the Bagram Air Base and he turned him loose. They turned thousands of our enemies loose before they left. So this not only is a high crime, but this crime is treason. He gave $85 million worth of equipment to $85 billion worth of equipment to the Taliban that they can use against us. They can also sell pieces of equipment like to China and Russia and Iran 
And then they have the same technology we have on our Blackhawks and our, our jets and uh, our, our uh, APCs, you know, like, like all of that, the, the MRAPs and everything. Now they've got all of our technology. They have all of our radio bands because you let the radios with the, with, with everything queued in it. Plus they left roughly a half a billion dollars worth of $100 bills wrapped in the cellophane straight from the, from the men. So, I mean, if that's not giving aid and comfort to our enemy, nothing is, if that's not treason, nothing is. So he has really crossed the line on this. And the only thing protecting him right now is, is that they have the majority in the house and the Senate. And they're dead set on destroying this country. And the more we read into the Constitution, more people are going to realize what they're doing. So it goes on. Uh, anything you want to say about that or question or anything, Fran? Before we go to session well, two. I, I am definitely not in favor of the administration that we have right now. And looking at the different things in the, in the election, that is something that we can talk about until the sky turns blue and the, and the Right. Roses pop up green and purple, but it, it's definitely not what's written in the Constitution. And the forefathers were brilliant in the way that they put it together. And this is to protect the United States citizens. It's to protect our country. It's for, to protect our babies and our children and our great grandchildren. There's no need to sit back and look at this and not do something about it. But everybody, every individual needs to, needs to come together as a group. God made us as individuals, but he made us to live in a community where we can, we can do what it is that is best for our communities. And unless the community knows what the dangers are, they won't know that they're about to be kicked out of whatever it is that's in their comfort zone. Right. So that's that's why you're going through this, and I'm glad you're doing it because there are so many people that just absolutely does not understand this, and it's this is broke down in such a way where we can understand it. It's not dry cut, and it's it's and you're going through step by step. So I want to be one of the first people to thank you for doing this. Well, I thank you. Uh, I'm doing the best I can. I hope it. I'm making it work. People understand it. One of the things I want to caution everybody about. Uh, before we move to section two, is you will hear the president, uh, I call him below 00. I don't like that word, just does not fit right with him in my mouth. Uh, but, um, you know, and I didn't like Obama. I'll be honest with you, I didn't like Obama. I said he would lead us into a civil war. And I believe that's what they're trying to finish up is what he started. But uh, I still respected the fact that he was the president. Uh, but, you know, like I said the other night, this one has brought so much shame to the office. I, I'm having trouble even respecting the office at this point. Do you see what I'm saying? Exactly. Because it's been so badly abused and weaponized against the people. Okay. Section two. I want to get to you in a little bit about what you've been writing. Okay. When we finish up. The president shall be commander in chief of the army and the Navy of the United States and the militia or the several states when called into the actual service of the United States. He may require the opinions in writing or the principal officer in each of the executive departments 
upon any subject relating to the duties of the respected offices, and he shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in case of impeachment. Okay. Uh, in other words, like if uh, Obama had been impeached, he couldn't, when he got in, um, took that away, is what it's saying. Or if he's impeached and another Democrat comes along, they can't take that away. That's why Clinton will always have the, the impeachment over his head. They impeached him, but they did not remove him from office. And a lot of people don't understand that. Uh, you can actually be impeached and not removed from office. Uh, but it has to be impeached in the House. It has to be tried in the Senate. And then the Senate makes it in the House together make the decision whether or not to remove the person from an office or if it's more like censored. And uh, that's basically what they did with Clinton. Um, uh, and then Pelosi will say, you know, Trump was impeached. Trump was impeached. No, Trump was never impeached. He was impeached by the House, but when he went to trial, he won because he, he won his trial. So that is not impeachment. Uh, but you can be impeached without being removed. And... Uh, you probably remember Clinton's impeachment like I do. And you was probably like yeah. at the time scratching your head and say, wait a minute. I thought when they impeached somebody, they was gone. You know what I'm saying? And I never could understand. But after I got to reading the Constitution and learning the Constitution, then I understood how it happened. Uh, now, Nixon would have been impeached, uh, but Nixon resigned. You know, um, and really... If you stop to think, it, we owe Nixon for getting us out of Nam. We owe Nixon for getting us out of Vietnam. And uh, honestly, in my in my way of looking at it, with what he did as far as you know, spying on the other person or whatever, it it pales to light with what's come out in the Durham report. Uh, you know what all was involved on that. So that's another show. Uh, so let's see the second paragraph down in section two he shall have power by and with the advice and consent of the senate to make treaties provided two-thirds of the senators present occur and he should concur and he shall nominate and by and with the advice and consent of the senate shall appoint ambassadors other public ministers and consuls judges of the supreme court and all other offices of the United States whose appointments are not herein otherwise provided for, and which shall be established by law by the Congress, may by the laws vest the appointment of such inferior officers as they think proper in the president alone, uh, in the courts of law, or in the heads of departments. Uh, Congress has to say over who's in the administration, they, they've got a right. And I think they really dropped the ball this time. I mean, if you look at what's going on, uh, you you know, you got a, a, a border person that stands up and says, oh, the border's secure, and we're getting thousands of people coming across today. Uh, you know, and he said, we've got this, we've got this, you know, we're, we're returning people, and then we find out they're not. And the ones that they are returning is the fathers of the anchor babies that they're letting in with the mamas that are pregnant. And then once the baby's born, they get to come back over. 
So, I mean, this is just a, a dog and pony show, folks. Don't buy into all this. Uh, the president shall have power to fill up all vacancies that may happen during the recess of the Senate by granting commissions, which shall expire at the end of the next session. Now, we've seen that happen in recent history where a president would have somebody uh, a vacancy when the Senate uh, or during the time that the Senate was in or, and the Congress was in recess. So they would commission somebody to be, you know, like the. Uh, I don't know, over Department of Homeland Security or something. But then when Congress come back in, they either had to affirm that person or get somebody else to take that position. And that's what that's about. Uh, you know, we, we've all probably watched, most of us here watching this have, have probably watched it sometime, you know, the hearings where, you know, they're talking to people who want to be judges. You know, the most famous one I can think of is the Kavanaugh trial. Uh, when when they before before uh, you know he was confirmed, you know they had Christine Blasey Ford come up and she claimed that you know he had raped her and everything, but she couldn't remember where the house was, how she got there, how she got home. I mean, you know, nothing just added up, right? So, uh, but that's what that's what these hearings are about. Congress gets a say in what uh, and the Senate gets a say in what happens. Uh, section three, he shall from time to time give the Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to the consideration such measures as he shall judge necessarily and expedient. He may, on extraordinary occasions, convene both houses of either of them, and in case of disagreement between them with respect to the time of adjournment he may adjourn them to such time as he shall think proper. He shall receive ambassadors and other public ministers. He shall take care of the laws, be faithfully executed. That is the main part that the president is supposed to do. He is supposed to be making sure that the laws of the land are faithfully executed and shall commission all the officers of the United States. Now, <clears throat> A lot of people got upset when he didn't do his State of the Union right away. You remember that? Uh, did he ever give a State of the Union? Yeah, he did, but it was like, I think in late February or sometime in, in March. Uh, you know, most presidents give a State of the Union, you know, shortly after they come in, you know, in the first 30 days. And, and uh, yeah. Everybody thought that was a requirement, but if you look there, it is not a requirement. It just says from time to time. And that's how he was able to do that without getting in trouble for it. And, um, you know, I had some people say, well, he's supposed to do that within 30 days. I'm like, no, he's not. <clears throat> it's not exactly what it says. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's not, it's, I need you a drink. It's not exactly what it says. But sometimes we get so used to something, we accept that that's the way it's supposed to be. And the dangerous part about that is if we get used to saying, okay, remember it was 15 days to slow the, slow the curve, right? Then turn 30 days, turn three months, six months. You know, we missed Easter, we missed the 4th of July, we missed Thanksgiving, we missed Christmas. We missed New Year's, you know, and it was back to, you know, missing Easter and all this. And finally, he says, oh, if you'll just take enough people, take a shot. 
we'll let you have Fourth of July. It didn't work out too good with the fireworks, did it? Um, but anyway, what it is, they get you in the mask and they get you used to wearing the mask. And it's well, you know, it's not that bad. You 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 can go another thirty days or another ninety days, or and they keep stringing it out. And Fauci said the other day that he didn't think we would be out of mask until 2022, you know, and uh, then once you do the mask and you do the lockdown, you shut your business, you lose your revenue, you lose your home, you lose everything you got. Then they turn around and they tell you, you have to take the shot. That's the only way you're going to get free. So people go get the shots. And when they don't get enough shots, they, everybody don't get the shots. And they said, well, we're going to give you a passport. And you've got to have that passport to get on an airplane. You've got to have that passport to get into the gym to work out. You've got to have that passport to go somewhere and eat inside. You've got to have, and some places are starting to talk about, you got to have the passport to be able to go to the grocery store. That is what the Bible calls the mark of the beast. And, you know, Frank, was it you that was telling me the other day something about the passport that, uh, oh, I know what it was. Somebody told me that, I think it was Brown up in Oregon, said that if the people did not get the vaccine, they were going to take them to the FEMA camps. Was that you? Oh, uh, that was uh, that was something that was being said in Tennessee. Uh, governor signed a, a, an executive order to round up those that hadn't had the shots yet and uh, take them to some sort of a facility. They said that in Tennessee too? Uh, in Tennessee. Okay, somebody said that Brown had done it in Oregon as well. Well, it's entirely possible. But the problem is the vaccine is um, mislabeled because of the ingredients within the vaccine, which is why those that know what's there won't get it. I won't get it. I, I was in the hospital with COVID and pneumonia, so I've got natural immunity to it, and I will not take the vaccine. And they tried to, they asked me about eight times while I was in there. And the last day they sent the, the big doctor over the administration somewhere. I don't exactly know where she came from, but she asked me three different ways and, and, and to take the vaccine. I says, no, I said, I don't want it. And I don't, I'm not going to get it. I says, I know what's in it. And I won't have it. I went that, through that with my doctor today. And uh, for my listeners, I want you to know I'm two and a half years cancer free. And uh, I thank God for that. God healed me of my cancer. And, uh, my doctor, you know, he, he was like, he was like, you, or you've had leukemia in the past, then you need to take this because your immune system will never be the same. And I'm like, in the last several months, I've been exposed five times. And the last time was about a month ago, face to face, not six inches away from my friend's face. We worked all day that close working on something small, you know what I'm saying? Had it in advice and, you know, turning wrenches and stuff. And he actually came down with COVID during that day. I made him go to the house. The next day he got up, he went and had a test and he had COVID. He was positive. Come to find out his son I worked with two days before also came down with COVID the day after I worked with him. So um, 
I, I believe that if I haven't got, and I've been, like I said, I've been exposed like five times. Somebody is right, you know, right either in it or close enough to be effective. And uh, I've not gotten it. So it, it might be my immune system. It might just be the guys that got his hand on me. He's got something else for me to do. Uh, but I think that you hit that one hit on the head. God is in control of what's going on and he's letting it be known to his people and his children exactly what's happening with this vaccine. Now, I had recently learned it depends on how long they let that uh, COVID test spin around in the machinery as to whether if it comes up positive or negative. If they spin it 39 or 40 times, it's going to come up positive. If they spin, don't spin it that much or if they spin it too much more than that, then it comes up negative. So it's not so much the testing equipment, it's the individual running the equipment and letting right. Well, you notice when Trump was in, it was it was fun, I think, 40 times, 39 or 40 times. I can't remember exactly. Mm -hmm. And the COVID rate was real high. And then on the 20th of January, they started spending it at a rate of 25. They started cycling it. at. It's not really spinning it. They heat it and they they let it cool. And they heat it and they let it cool. And it like separates everything else out. And but they call it cycles. Uh, I thought it was centrifuge. I talked to a medical uh, researcher today and he explained to me how it's done, the PCR test, how they run it. Uh, but if they heat it and cool it off 39 times, if, if, if you've ever been around anybody with SARS, and SARS is a cold. SARS-2 is the common cold. It comes up as COVID if you cycle it that much. Uh, if you cycle it at a rate of 25, then it don't cycle enough to pick up those dead virus that you have, which would actually be an immunity, right, friend? Right. And so, and then the other thing we found out, it come out, CDC admitted to it, uh, that the uh, flu was testing positive for COVID. If you had the flu, you tested positive for COVID. And I, I got curious one time and I went on, on uh, to CDC and went on to the WHO, to every place I could possibly find to find the differences of, of what caused the death over the past 18 months. And all they showed was COVID deaths over the past 18 months. They didn't show flu. They didn't show natural causes or injuries or uh, accidents or anything like that. It was all COVID. Right. And the percentages, it was the exact same as what it had been for the past 10 years. Uh, they, we've been played. Well, yeah, and look and at the new CDC numbers on COVID that they had to release. They had to release the, the proper numbers. And uh, out of what it was, 220,000 people that died in the U.S., only 6% of them died from COVID that they mm -hmm. reported as COVID. If right. you got shot in the head and you, you happen to have COVID, they said you died from the COVID. They didn't say you died from the gunshot. If you was in a car wreck, right. your head got cut off, uh, then you died of COVID because you had it in your system. Uh, it's, it's like uh, saying that a drunk that drinks a, a, you know, gets drunk and he walks out in the street and the bus runs over him is saying, I always told him that alcohol kill him. You know, uh, the alcohol didn't kill him, the bus did. 
you know, maybe his lack of, of having enough sense to stay out of the street might have played into the factor, but the, the actual the vehicle of death was the bus. And, uh, you know, that, that's what they was doing with the numbers. And, you know, they've given these big high numbers, you know, that, that all these people, these 220,000 people that died was all COVID. And really it turns out it's only 6%, which we figured up the other day, I forget how much it was. It was very minuscule uh, compared mm -hmm to everything else, uh, but. So while we're talking about this, uh, a lot of those deaths that happen in the hospitals, and now I want you guys to go out and uh, research this because the research is out there, you can find it. Okay. Uh, the remdesivir is the most frequently used and recommended by the CDC and the World Health Organization to fight the COVID. The remdesivir that they're using is the same medication that they were using in Africa for the um, Ebola. Yep. The medication caused 56% of the patients to die from organ failure. Right. And most of the countries across the world has, has forbidden that medication to be anywhere in their countries because of the high death rate, because it caused the organ failure. A lot of the people that had the remdesivir and had pneumonia that built up fluids from the blood system into their lungs and it mimicked what pneumonia was like. You know what's causing that? And this, uh, let me finish <laughs> just a minute. I'll let you have it. The, uh, because it looked like pneumonia, they would add antibiotic to go with that. The antibiotic cannot fix the problem with with the body if the it's virus. not a virus. If, if it's a virus, it can't, an antibiotic won't do anything, but it does amplify the work of the remdesivir and it causes the lungs to fill up with fluid, which then they put you on a respirator. The respirator treatment cost about $40,000 and that boosts the income up for the hospitals. Now, the respirator I don't, is 42 and they charge 59. Now, okay, I, I do not have they charge the daily use of it. I learned from, from recent factors from trusted friends that I have been right. learning from. So I want you to do re research on this. We have, we have. We've done that a show on this. Well, there you go, Bill. That one I that one I did miss. But uh, I just for just for y'all to know, I'm I'm doing well. My memory is not as good as what it used to be. And I was out of commission for a while because of the uh, rehabilitation after the COVID incident. It just seems like since we turned 16, it, our memory's gone. Huh? Uh, <laughs> I don't think that had anything to do with the bill. <laughs> I mean, since we turned 16, my friend. <laughs> we, there's a lot of things we don't want to remember back then. Right. Well, the thing is, I just turned 16. I'm holding. <laughs> now, um, a lot of people say I, I look a lot younger and act a lot younger, but it, it's just simply because I enjoy life. Uh, even even in these fights, I enjoy life. I enjoy what's going on. But what I was going to tell you, what we found out, Fran, on the remdesivir is it has spiked proteins in it. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're getting the fluid built up, just like with, with the, the antibodies. I mean, with not the antibodies, with the... Uh, with the shots, they also, you know, the vaccines, they also have the spike proteins. They're just giving you more spike proteins 
And like we talked before the show, it's sterilizing people. It's causing people's brains to swell. It's causing their hearts to swell and go into congestive heart failure. I had a woman today that uh, I talked to that's going to be coming on the show, she said, uh, that was given the shot shot and within a short amount of time she had heart failure uh she had uh fibromyalgia and she had crippling arthritis i'll hit her at once uh from my understanding i'm going to interview her farther before i get her on the show so i'll make sure i got everything right but this is the way i understood it today and she was given the shot at, at a walgreens and she says that Walgreens told her that the vaccine had been FDA approved. If that's the case, she doesn't have, and I want to tell people this because you don't have a case against the manufacturer. The government's going to give them a, a, a free pass on having a case if you take this shot. So if they kill you, if they disable you for life with this shot, you have no recourse, financial recourse against the company, however, or your family if you're dead. Uh, but however, if, if, you go somewhere and they tell you that shot's approved and you take it and you have a problem, they've got a legal problem, a big one. Uh, because as much as they've been, you know, telling on mainstream news and everything that Pfizer's approved, you can go on to the FDA or the CDC's website and it will still tell you it is an investigational vaccine, which means that everybody takes it as part of a big old uh, lab experiment. So what they're doing is they've got what 70 million or 100 million lab rats running around our country right now. And uh, that's another reason I won't take it. Uh, but anyway, when they give you the, the antibiotic you was talking about, Fran, it works as an accelerator on the clotting factory of the factor of the of remdesivir. And guess who bought a big bunch in that right before it got approved? Anthony Fauci. Yeah, we can all take a big guess on that and probably hit it on the head. Anthony Fauci bought a big bunch of stock in it. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people don't know this. His wife is getting ready to be investigated. Did you know that, friend? No, I didn't. Yeah, because she runs the lab at the NIH that does the clinical testing for the FDA and gives them the reports for them to review and clear a drug. So now they're going after her too. Rand Paul has got his teeth in. And, you know, I, I used, used to have reservations about Rand because when he went in as a freshman senator, he, uh, he, he went in and he kind of followed Mitch McConnell around. And if you live in Kentucky, uh, and you got any sense, you know, that's not a good person to have somebody following around to trust them. And I heard an open mic moment when they were uh, arguing about Obamacare and Mitch had accidentally left his mic on and him and Rand were talking. And he told Rand Paul, he said, all right, we fought it enough. We can go ahead and let Obamacare go through now. It won't hurt us in the elections. And Rand said, okay. And so for a long time, I did not like Rand, but I got to say, Rand has stepped up and blew it out of the park on this, this crime against humanity that's been committed. Uh, so he, he's the difference there, Bill, is, the difference uh, there, Bill, is Rand Paul was medical uh, in the medical field. 
for right. like 20 years before he went into the Senate. And when this all turned into a uh, war over the vaccine and war over what's going on with the COVID, that's when he stepped up and that's when he's asking questions that's pertinent to this information. And that's why he's fighting so hard to get this information out into the public's hands. And he's trying to do everything he can do in the House right now that he can do. So a lot of people don't realize too, where he's a uh, eye surgeon, he has to be an MD first. Exactly. He has to know how the body works. He has to understand everything your doctor does. And then he has to know more about the eye than your doctor or even your ophthalmologist does. Mm -hmm. So he's a very intelligent person. Uh, And I found something out about him that I really admire, Grant. Uh, When he's at home, he goes around the state and for free gives eye surgeries to poor people and elderly people so they can see again. Wonderful. And then every so often, he takes off on a hospital ship and goes overseas and does his thing. He's not charging for what he does as a doctor right now. Uh, so, you know, I, I've learned more about him and I realize, you know, I know when you go up there, Mitch McConnell runs the Republican party. Okay. He runs it here. Him and Hal Rogers, they run it here, but, uh, it's easy to get caught in the trap, but I think Rand uh, realized what was going on and he started to pull back and now he's really fighting for the people. And uh, I really like him now, you know, it's easy though, when you first go in to get pulled in. And uh, so you have to watch if you ever go to DC, <laughs> but uh, section four, we'll wrap this up here. The president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States She'll be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, you notice it says the president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States. Uh, that's very important because if you're an officer of the United States, you can be impeached, which means if you're an officer on a state level, you can be impeached. And I don't know if you know this, but your school board people are actually state level. Everybody thinks it's just county. It's a dual position. So you're part of the state legislature, so you're impeachable. And the other thing is the, uh, with the officers, it says civil officers, that also includes, and people don't realize this, they say, well, they when the Supreme Court when, when they get appointed, they're there for life. You can't get them out. Oh, yes, you can. You've got to either convict them of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. And you've seen how liberal they are about what a misdemeanor is. They tried to Trump uh, to uh, impeach Trump over a tweet. Remember that? That was a misdemeanor. Yeah. They tried to... You know, I went back... I went back through on section four and it says all civil officers of the United States. And if you leave it at that, right. that's not just the state level, that's the county level. Yeah. Yeah. You can impeach your, your, uh, have y'all got fiscal court over there? Like we do here. I can't remember. It's been so long. It's fiscal court, right? In Indiana. Where you yeah, have I've, I've only dealt yeah. with the one, with the one court system and it's in our county and we've got one judge. 
but you got a county judge executive. Yeah. And, county judge. and uh, yeah, because I remember, <coughs> I remember my job, my mom, and uh, <coughs> the judge getting into it one time, the county judge. So, yeah, it is, it is the same setup we got here. Other states, you have commissioners and uh, you have a commission instead of a fiscal court, but either one, they are impeachable. And that also means, I'm glad you brought that up. It also means if you live in a town, that board is impeachable. The only people that aren't impeachable are the ones that aren't elected. And then they're underneath of the ones that are impeachable. That's why a sheriff uh, can be impeached, okay? But a state trooper or a uh, city police officer can't because they're appointed. Does that makes, make sense to you? Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. They can be fired, but they can't be impeached. But you put so much pressure on the ones that hired them and threaten them with impeachment because they're letting them do whatever they're doing and get them fired. Uh, so there's always leverage for the people. See, the founders weren't stupid. They really were not stupid. And, you know, it's like I said before, uh, and I'll probably say this a, a lot during these classes because this is one of the most important things we got to learn from the Constitution. We, the people, the people came first. Then society, then your city, county, state, and federal uh, laws and offices. So the people are the author of the nation. In other words, the, the creator of it. And it's just like in God in God's hand. He's the creator of the universe. And there's nothing you can do that God can't undo. And there's nothing that you can do to get away from God because God has the ultimate fire. And I don't want to give people a big head and say, well, I'm a God. But uh, I want them to understand that we, the people, can come together and there's no office held in this land where somebody's been elected that we can't take them out. And uh, that is very important. Uh, you, but another, another really important part of this is, is that everybody, when you go to vote for a sheriff, make sure that sheriff is going to uphold the Constitution, all of it. You know, uh, red flag gun laws are illegal, okay? Uh, actually, limiting the type of firearm you can have is illegal. Uh, you're allowed to have anything that the, the federal government has because what was the purpose of the militia? To be able to stand against the government should it go wrong. And son, it's getting there. So make sure you got a good, strong sheriff that'll stand up for you and your county because he is the, the first line of defense. Your, your city police can't do that, but the sheriff can. Uh, even if you live in the city, if somebody comes in, say, say the IRS targets you, they're, they're good at that now. Uh, the IRS targets you, uh, and they come in, and they're going to seize your assets. They're going to seize your home. They're going to you know clean out your bank account. Uh, if you've got a good sheriff, he will put all those on notice when he comes into office that you have to come to my office first to get permission to do anything in my county. And then when they come in, and I've seen this happen with the sheriff I was with, uh, when they come in, uh, 
they have to show him the paperwork. And if it's not signed by a judge, they can't do nothing. And, and the IRS actually told Sheriff Pyman, said, well, he said, where's your, where's your judge's order? And they said, well, we're the IRS. We don't need it. He said, oh, yeah, you do in Jackson County because we are still a constitutional county. And he said, here, due process is part of the law. And he said, get out of my county and don't come back without a judge's order. And that was the last time they come in. That was the beginning of his term, I believe. And that was the last time they come in in four years that he was there because he would not let them back in. So these are all important things to know. But, you know, again, just to recap, you know, we've seen treason. We've seen bribery. Okay. Everybody knows the contents of Hunter's laptop. Everybody knows that it, that listen listen to Tony Bobolinsky, which was a manager for a business for for Biden, uh, give a deposition of what went on and how Joe made money. And if you want to learn more what Joe's making money on right now, uh, you can go to the episode about how Biden's making money off of Afghanistan. Uh, it, it's one of the previous episodes, not too far down, so you can check those out. But so we're looking at treason, we're looking at bribery, bribery, uh, other high crimes, uh, and you know there's there's other things. You know, uh, he got a skate on the sexual assault. Remember, we believe the woman unless it's against him. Okay. Uh, and now they're tying in, trying to tie in. They believe they might have traced some money out of Hunter's art dealings. So I'm waiting to see what comes out of that. But that's just a little teaser until we find more about it. But that helps explain how a president becomes a president. It helps explain how he appoints his cabinets, uh, that he gets to appoint them, but they have to pass the Senate and everything. And he, I hope it breaks down and, and makes it to where everybody can relate to what's going on right now in their life. Because I, I think the best way to teach is to, to read the document and put it in perspective with current news, uh, if at all possible. Because if you do that, <clears throat> it's a lot easier to understand for me. And uh, I, hope it, I hope this section was clear for everybody. I'm not going to make this long because the last one was a little long. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to cut it off here, friend. But before we do, you've written some, some books. Would you mind telling the audience about it? Yes, I have. I'm in the process of writing my third book. The first, the first one is a uh, delusion because everything freezed on the frame there. There we go. <laughs> um, the first book I wrote was uh, explaining why the difference between the, di uh, the different Christian sectors um, uh, and going into history and science and uh, medical things. And it, it's, it's really interesting. And it's called The Difference, The Cross Made. And you can go to my website and find it there. The di a few different uh, uh, things, what other people had thought about it. It's uh, www.4, that's the number four, difference to, and then number two.com. It's four, four difference two.com. So it's available there to you anytime that you might want to go there. 
Uh, the books are available new, uh, through Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Um, the uh, second book, the, the second and third book has not been published. The third one I'm working on right now. So I'm, I'm doing my best to get the word out is what's happening in the world today and why it's happening in the world today. And, but past 18 months during COVID, I've spent more time traveling and away from home than I have been in the past decade. So I have been very busy over the past several years. Um, I am an artist. Um, I'm an author and an entrepreneur, so I do have a business of my own, and I'm trying to get up and off the up and off the desk to where I can get it running too. So this and COVID, your, your books are Christian inspirational type books. They're they're available to anybody that has questions about the about the Christian lifestyle. This one that I'm working on right now is people that have questions of what's going on in the world and how it ties into what the Bible said it would be like today. And it's not ready for publication yet. <laughs> so I still have a lot of work to go on. It'll probably be later, later this year. I was hoping to get it done by the 1st of October, and it's just not possible yet. Before all this broke loose so bad and Amazon showed its teeth, you know I had written three books I had published with them. And I found out that they weren't putting them out there where they could be seen. Uh, and uh, I was getting upset about that. But then I turned around and I said, well, wait a minute. Look at what they're doing. So I pulled all my books from publishing right now. And uh, my books, I think, Fran, I, I'm just going to, Skip the publishers. I'm going to put them on PDFs where people can order them and I can send them the files. They can read them like an ebook on their computers or their whatever. And uh, that way I don't have to deal with the, the publishing business. Now, obviously, you're writing a different kind of book. I've got one religious book that I wrote when I was in seminary. Okay. Uh, you haven't seen it yet. Uh, but I've got it, but I've also write in different genders. Uh, you know, uh, I wrote a terror book. I wrote a comedy book. I wrote a political book and, uh, I'm gonna have to go back and reformat them to put them back into PDF now, you know, cause you got to format for the book form. Uh, but once I do that, I think I'm just gonna put mine on, on the internet and, and put them on my websites and everything. Uh, we're going to be starting a new website, the constitutional cowboy. I'll let you know when it comes up and I'll post uh, the thing for it. But uh, you, you have had success at this already. And uh, I know, Fred, I've known you most of my life. And, uh, and I'm a lot older than I look, too. Uh, but, uh, or that's what I'm told. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm thrilled to see you doing that. And you also are a pioneer right? Yes, I am. I'm, I'm an upcoming known artist. I've got a painting hanging in the Indiana State House right now. It has been there since January of 2020. Um, they must like it real well because they I can't get them on the phone to where I can come up and either pick it up or pick up a check, one of the two. So, <laughs> so with my traveling, it, it has inhibited me from being able to make that four-hour trip uh, up to Indianapolis and back. I've got a friend here that is a folk artist and he does some of the most fantastic folk art and London, Kentucky has that. That's where Colonel Sanders come from. Right. 
Right. Oh, they had him make all these big metal chickens. They've got them all over town. They're set out all year round and they're painted, you know, kind of abstract and stuff. And they're pretty. They really are. And they always get him to do it for nothing. Okay. <clears throat> and he kind of got upset, I think, because we, we had a folk art booth that we sold at a flea market here in town, a big flea market. And uh, we made a, a mailbox and I carved a chicken head out on it, you know, made a chicken head out of wood that went on the top of it, and, you know, made a tail to come out the back and, and everything and uh, painted the wings on the box and everything. And the people over chicken festival come through, fell in love with it and bought it from me. And they have never paid this. And this guy is a much better artist than me. I, I'm not going to kid you. Okay. Uh, he's much better than I was. He's been doing it a lot longer than I did. He, he got me in the artisans guild here. Uh, but he, he was floored because I mean, he's put thousands and thousands, probably tens, maybe a hundred thousand dollars out in the city alone. Well, I'm sure at least a hundred thousand dollars worth of retail, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but, uh, probably closer to a hundred thousand of what he had in it and hasn't got a lick out of it. And, uh, I kind of felt bad for him, you know, but cause he, he said, he asked me, he said, did you see that, uh, chicken box that they're using to advertise the mailbox they're using to advertise the chicken festival at the tourist information center? And I said, yeah, I've seen it. And he said, uh, I like to know who made that. He said, it looks nice. And I smiled. I said, we did. And he said, so you gave it to him. I said, no, they come over and bought it. And oh, he, he after all I've made for him, you know. So uh, he's still making for him, though. But it, it was kind of funny. But no, I, I'm glad to see you growing as an author, as, as a painter, and and, you know, aspiring, you know, and uh, it, it makes me feel good. It really does. And if you got a chance, folks, get that book, sit down and read it. Uh, watch for the others coming out because I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. And uh, it's going to be something that you're going to want to add to the library. And um, I just, I'm tickled to death that you're doing, doing good at this, friend. Really am. Oh, thank you very much, Bill. And it's taken a while to, to put everything together, and I finally found out what it is that I'm here for. And yeah, I've gone through an awful lot to make make the stories in that book happen because they are true stories. And that's four difference com, right? Right. The number four and the number two. It's four difference com. Okay. So uh, if anybody wants to look it up and you don't have a pen, you can always go back and listen again. And I won't even get hurt as long as you listen the first time if you if you pass forward to the end. How's that? But uh now uh it, it's good to see see you doing so well. I, I'll be glad when you come through uh because we're gonna actually do something together here in the office. And uh, I think that'd be cool. Maybe I'll get you one of them black cowboy hats back here to put on. Oh, I need a black cowboy hat. I got me a red ball cap. <laughs> What's well, it on the front of it? It hasn't got anything on the front of it because I haven't got my paint my, my paint uh, pen uh, and got a hold of it yet. 
I might make something out on it. Oh, Ed, uh, Ed, it was so funny. He he was in his, he's got a lock shop in California, right? And uh, it's in Vallejo. It was very, very liberal. And he was in it a, a, about a week or two ago. And somebody comes in and it was two guys. One of them was a vet. And they was, they was, you know, F Trump this, F Trump that, and blaming the world's problems on Trump. Uh, and finally, Ed, you know, he kind of got tired of it. So he put on his MAGA hat. <laughs> <laughs> he went over politely to make him leave his business. <laughs> well, it wasn't so polite. Him and the Marine, it works for him. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it, it was funny. You, you've got to know Ed like I know Ed to really appreciate how funny that was. Because I could just see Ed's neck bulging out, you know, his veins popping. But uh, he, uh, he, he's trapped right now, you know, in, in a city that he don't want to be in, a state he don't want to be in, but it was his home state. And uh, me and him stopped, maybe in a year he'll be coming down here. Because uh, I think I might have a job for him, man. But uh, it's, it's been a good show, folks. I don't want to keep you much longer. So, Fran, thanks again for coming on. Uh, anytime you're on, if you'll remind me before the show, I'll tell you, you know, I, I'll cue you in so that you can, you know, talk about your book. Okay. Well, I appreciate you giving me the time to talk about my book because I really don't get the opportunity much to where I can not necessarily brag on it, but to offer it, to share with other people the different things that I have learned through some difficult times and being living all over the, uh, the country growing up. I've got to know some fabulous people from all over the country. And uh, I learned by watching other folks and I've learned by going to different churches and, and looking at how they, how they worship and that type of thing. Every, uh, they all love God but some just hasn't got the clear picture of what the Bible actually has to say. And, and I go through this and I do it in a loving way. Well, you know, the and interesting thing this. about this is that this show broadcast, uh, not only on video, but through six channel uh, radio stations. Okay. And it broadcasts worldwide. So you might get some orders from Russia or China or Indonesia. That's, <laughs> Then you have Colombia, you might, you know, <laughs> but there's a lot of people in some of those areas that, that are actually tuning in because we get a list of, you know, the different, uh, and those are actual Chile, uh, Brazil, uh, North Korea. Yeah, it's, it's written in a way to where it explains what the Christian lifestyle truly is and why it's so differently viewed by different people. And it, it comes from their culture. It comes from their knowledge. It comes from what the preacher knows. It comes from what it is that they want to believe instead of believing what it, what it is that has been laid out for us to read and understand. And uh, with the science that they found factual things that the Bible says about. And, and, and you have to read the part about the DNA. That is absolutely mind-blowing. It was for me when I discovered it. What I found about Christianity is once that I accepted Christ, uh, 
I've done a lot of things. People said, you know, was brave. I fought fire. I, you know, I've crawled in wrecks, you know, that was smoking and everything else to get people out. I actually pulled somebody out of a burning car on my way to the shipyard. I used my welding gear to kill them out without getting burnt, believe it or not. Uh, things like that. But uh, I was always scared. I'll be honest. I was always afraid when I was doing that, you know, you know, this could be the end of me, you know, and uh, since I got saved, that fear's gone. Mm -hmm. I don't think twice about it. I, I, I'm never fearful in any situation because I know who's got my back. It's been a true so, piece for the past 10 years, Bill. And, you know, for the, for the Americans that's listening with what's going on in our country, one of the most liberating things you can do while your freedom is trying to be taken away from you is to find Christ. And for people in other countries who are under oppression, it's lived under oppression for many years. It's the same for you. And this book that she's written just might help you get there. So I encourage everybody to listen to it. Lay your fears down because it ain't nothing like living without fear. There's nothing like it. And uh, I think you'll love it. But uh, well, I know you will if you give them a try. But uh, Fran, thanks for being on tonight. I'm going to close the show out. Uh, if you want to have It's been show, my pleasure. I know you're tired, but if you want to give me a call after the show, feel free to. And uh, until next time we get together, I just want to thank the audience for listening putting up with me going on too much and uh, may God bless you. May God bless your homes and your families. May God keep you safe. May he hold you in the hollow of his hand and may most of all, may God bless America. Good night, everybody.